Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And today, since that show is on hiatus, we're going to be talking about the premiere of the new CW show, Superman and Lois. So why don't we just jump right into a recap of what happened, David? Okay. After a quick origin story, Clark is conflicted about the time spent on his two jobs versus his son's. His mother dying brings his family back to Smallville. Morgan Edge hasn't only bought the Daily Planet, who fired Clark, but is also buying Smallville Farms. The two Kent boys, John and Jordan, magically survive an accident, so they search and find Clark's Kryptonian escape pod. The boys are upset, go to a party, and end up in a fight, resulting in Jordan heat-visioning a bonfire. The Kents decide to stay in Smallville. Oh, wait. The baddie in the power suit threatening nuclear plants and besting Superman is Captain Luther. Right. Uh, This is not the introduction to Superman and Lois, because we have met them before several times in uh, uh, on Supergirl and in the Crisis on Infinite Earths. But quite a few things appear to have changed now that we've got them in what is now the the one unified universe. Oh, are they? I don't know. We'll see. There's some <laughs> strangeness involved here. This is this feels almost more like a, a soft meta-reboot than anything else to me. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. First of all, there's no mention at all of Supergirl on this show. And what I thought would have been a really, really natural place for them to talk about Supergirl would be having to do with trying to figure out uh, there were suspicions that one of the their boys might have powers while the other didn't, and they were wrong about which boy. But in the meantime, Superman or Clark was agonizing about how to deal with that, and I thought it would have been the most natural thing in the world, if they're still connected, for him to talk to Kara and Alex Danvers about that. Because Kara, of course, while not a blood relation to Alex, was raised in the family with her as her sister. And Alex, of course, does not have powers. So it really would have made sense if this show could have allowed it for the Kents to talk with the Danvers about that situation. A lot of this comes down to the one oddity between this and the CW episodes where we've seen these characters, which almost feel, makes this feel like a soft reboot. You could, you could look at just the production, because the production here is really quite good. The lighting is very well done. This feels higher budget than a lot of the CW shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because they're doing half the episodes, but it it looks nice. But part of the reality, though, is This show is also not what I expected when I first heard they were going to do a Superman and Lois show. When we last saw Superman and Lois, they had just had babies. And they were going to Argo to raise the babies because, well, if I was human and had babies, Kryptonian babies inside me, I would want them somewhere they didn't have superpowers. Absolutely. (laughs) So (laughs) that was a good plan. Now, the challenge here is the... I was expecting to have a show where we had Lois and Clark and their babies. But no, 
this is a CW show. We need teen drama. So <laughs> they're 14 year olds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not sure whether we are now 14 years in the future, which wouldn't make sense go going along with the Morgan Edge stuff, or if time is just weird. <laughs> Does time fly faster on Argo City? They never really say, forget about Argo City, that didn't happen. Or, yes, Argo City didn't happen. They just kind of elide over the whole situation. I heard a rumor or a thing or a something, I don't know, that the kids grew up quickly. But that obviously isn't the case, because maybe the kids would notice that they're different than the other kids <laughs> <laughs> if they had gone through 14 years in the last six months. Mm -hmm. So I think it's safe to assume that these kids have been on Earth for the vast majority of their life, and it's been a while. You, you have the challenge some shows have with the time jump is the actors do not look 14 years older than they did before. Not at all. Because the actors aren't 14 years older. <laughs> Um, I don't quite know which way this show went. I think it's safest to assume that 14 years has passed, and we'll just see how that fits. All right. My personal assumption is that they're not going to connect the show to any of the other CW shows for a while, so that they can just let everyone forget about how they're supposed to be connected, and maybe we won't notice. Maybe. Um, I mean, similar to that Black Lightning, they said that Black Lightning is now, and Freeland are now in the CW Arrowverse one unified world. But that show, although I love it, it continues to leave me with the logical inconsistency of, you know, if America is being invaded, why is nothing <laughs> being done about it by any of the other superheroes? I mean, there's been a few episodes recently, and they're not talking about the invasion anymore because that was soft last season, but it still bothers me. There's still stuff going on. Yeah, I just want to know why Why isn't anybody from uh, the rest of the world helping Black Lightning with all the trouble there? But we'll just have to agree to wave away that inconsistency for now because uh, there's... Nothing we can do to fix that. <laughs> nope. All we can do is take the rest of the show as if what I would normally do with shows is assume every show is its own universe, except for the little windows where it isn't. Right. And right. given that this is its own universe of a Superman show, it seems like a pretty good Superman show, uh, but it does have some issues. Right. Um, before we get to the show itself, I just want to talk about one more thing from the merged universe thing the last time that we saw morgan edge in supergirl universe he he had bought the daily planet and you know done some bad stuff and uh uh environmental pollution which he blamed on the lead poisoning stratagem against the daxamites and various other things uh but eventually he was brought down and apparently going to prison and then Crisis on the Infinite Earths happened, and so now apparently he's back in power and buying up newspapers and farmland. And it remains to be seen why. We, we This show uh, presents us with lots of people who we consider the good guys and 
We also have multiple people who are obviously the bad guys. Maybe three three guys are bad guys. We'll, we'll see. All right. You want to start with that? Obviously, Morgan Edge. And we have Captain Luther, which we can talk to talk about in a few minutes. But also, there is a not a villain, but an antagonistic person is the husband of Lana Lang, whose name is Kyle, and who doesn't like these big city journalists coming in and telling him what's wrong with his town, even though he apparently is having a really hard time himself. I, I think sometimes these shows show their colors, and, and this when this is how this show is. Uh, they're giving us sort of an analogy to how Trump support Trump got lots of support from middle America in small towns, but from people who really rich people like Trump actually don't care about whatsoever. And it feels like there's a very strong allegory to that type of um, big money getting support inside of small towns because of the hope it might bring. But uh, let's assume it's not going to go well. Right. Kyle, of course, is happy because Morgan Edge is doing something about the abandoned mine and going to do turn it into some kind of green facility and bring jobs back to the town so that people, the young people, don't just leave the town and stay away forever. Uh, which would be laudable if that were all that were was going on. But of course, to Lois, her keen reporter's nose smells something wrong in this situation. And I do look forward, they keep saying... Lois is the best reporter in the world, so I fingers crossed <laughs> that she's a little better reporter than um, our, our dear friend Kara Danvers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very happy they gave her that little bit of subplot because she otherwise does not do a lot in this show. Mm-hmm. This, this is an episode where we see a lot of two boys and whether they're getting enough support from their father, and Lois is kind of there. I have a theory, which is not true. I don't believe this is true. <laughs> but could you almost look at this show as if Lois is a figment of Clark's imagination? <laughs> Lois and Clark talk a lot with each other. Lois does not spend a lot of time talking to anyone else or being involved with her children's lives. It seems strange. They don't discuss how this will affect Lois's job. They don't do a lot of things. And it's like, does Lois actually exist? <laughs> Lois's father which we need to get into, knows who Clark is, which also sort of sidelines Lois even more. I, mm -hmm. I thought it was very strange how little Lois was active other than being a bouncing wall for Clark in this episode. Well, that brings me to something that bothers me about the whole show is <clears throat> the name of the show, Superman and Lois, is such a very unbalanced title unbalanced in in powers and it is just clunky um uh they of course can't call it clark and lois because of the lois and clark tv show well they could come on <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny at least <laughs> i suppose they could but it seems ill-advised but given that you know their lois doesn't have an alias or anything, so they're kind of stuck with it, unless they had just gone with something. Uh, it, maybe if they called it the Kents. I really like that idea. 
because it all is a family drama. So you're saying it shouldn't be Kal-El and Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that, that wouldn't would work? That would work for me, too. I could live with that. But I, I kind of like the Kents because it is obviously going to be focused on the teenage boys just about as much as it's going to be focused on Clark and Lois. Yeah, it feels very much that it's going to be sort of a parallel ensemble between the adults and the kids, and and drama ensues, and super hijinks will ensue. I'll be curious to see how this show is paced over its episodes, mm -hmm. but yeah, it definitely feels it's structured that way, and it that that can work, but I do hope we get to see Lois both involved directly with her children and maybe doing her job, or or maybe feeling some conflict there, because apparently only Clark's conflict seems to matter to anyone. I do think that her investigation needs to be some kind of slow burn, but I absolutely want to have some of that in every episode. The fact that they, that they give her an investigation subplot, which she seems to be the only one who really cares about it at the moment, that's going to come into play. But it, you're right that she's mainly there as someone who can say to Clark, see, I was right all along. Her instincts appear to be better than Clark's, at least as far as child raising goes, because he wanted to keep it a secret from the boys forever, apparently. I mean, they're 14 years old now. Was he waiting till they were 18 or till the fifth of never? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, she was pushing him, we need to tell them, we need to tell them. And I think it really adds heightened interest. Of course, when the boys do inevitably find out, they are both furious that they've been lied to all this time. And especially Jordan, who says, I thought I was going crazy. And I really wonder... Uh, you know, were his instincts telling him that things are not as they seem, and that was part of the reason for his alienation? I don't know much about social anxiety disorder, which is apparently what his diagnosis is that he takes pills for, and I don't know if he has a therapist in uh, Metropolis, but if they're taking him, you know, will will he have se therapy sessions here, or or are they just trying to talk it out with his dad? I don't know. It's kind of awkward. It could be a really interesting plot if they handle that well. It's interesting that they are having a person with a mental condition. I'm not sure if it's how severe it may be, although it's obviously severe enough to take pills for, but. It could be a, pos a very positive thing for the CW to have a role model of a teenage superhero who, who does struggle with a mental disorder. But it would be very easy for them to mess it up, too. So I'm a little anxious about how that's going to proceed. It, I, I do hope it is handled well. I think it is a very impressive thing to do with a Superman story. Which, of course, as we've discussed in Supergirl, it isn't whether you can win, but it's how you win and yes. how you deal with your powers. Mm -hmm. And having a teen struggling with their powers, there, there's certainly value there um, and there, there's space there for a story. So I, I hope they do it well, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of things this episode had to do. It had to move a lot of chairs around mm -hmm. and it's not entirely clear what that next episode is going to look like. 
when they are going to try and sort of find the new home in Smallville and run a little family farm. So it's a big change in structure. So we'll just have to see what that new show looks like. I can imagine that Lois is going to continue doing this reporting, and my hope would be is that Edge really effectively is her antagonist, mm-hmm. and Luther is going to be Superman's, and I think the two things are going to go in parallel, making progress until they probably combine in some fashion or another. Eventually, though, this means we have the problem that we also saw in Supergirl, which is what happens when you have to report on your boss. If Edge owns the Daily Planet, that's going to be a challenge for Lois if she's trying to track down dirt on him. Right. Of course, she could go to work for another organization, or she could go it alone with her own website, like uh, like Cara Danvers did for a while. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that happens. Certainly, during the pandemic, I've seen a lot of reporters who are doing most of their work remotely. So, it is conceivable that Lois could do reporting from Smallville, if they can get a good web connection there. Um, (laughs) But uh, I would intensely hate it if the show involved her giving up her job so that they could move to the farm. They're apparently not going to do that, but it remains to be seen how effective she'll be as a Smallville-based world-class journalist. We can't tell because the show refuses to tell us anything about her job. <laughs> <laughs> so well, hopefully she's that'll the best become... in the world. We know that. <laughs> that's that's about it. So yeah, hopefully this will become more clear what this show is going to do with that in the next episode. Right. Okay, so uh, let's let's jump back to Captain Luthor. So. <laughs> Uh, The first inklings of that are in the beginning, where there's a nuclear plant or complex going into meltdown, and Superman stops that from happening. But he says that the cracks were artificial, and they later find out that there was some kind of signature embedded somehow. Micro printed into into a chunk of a wall somewhere, probably yeah. near where the crack was. It was very unclear. It was microscopic, so mm-hmm. it's a good thing they found it. Yeah, but I think it basically said, "Kalel, I know your secret." Is that right? No, it did not. It said, "You are not a hero, Kalel." Ah, which which is very much a Luther thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. So, that is another thing that really remains to be seen. This Captain Luther, whose first name we don't know, we also don't know where he got his captaincy. Is it is he ex-military? Is it a self-styled sobriquet? There are other things. Is this Superman, I mean, sorry, is this Luther related at all? To our Luthers, one big difference is that uh, this Luther is portrayed by a black actor. And of course, all the Luthers in Supergirl and all the movies that I know of have been white men. But he is bald. (laughs) That's the important part. (laughs) So I just, you know, they didn't give us any clues as to how he fits 
into this continuity, except that he's rich enough to have his own secret base and power armor and stuff like that. So I, I'll give you my theory. I haven't read up on this at all, so I actually have no idea what the per- prevailing theories are. When asking where he is from, he says nowhere now. He says that his planet was destroyed. Right. So that the, there were things that were pointing to maybe not Luther, but really the uh, power suit is so Luther looking and the style of his behavior is very Luther. And even down to the, was he really trying to kill Superman or not? It's hard to tell. He didn't do a very good job. That's but kind of a Luther trait, too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so he was very Luther. So, but I, I, I would, I would. I was thinking that his destroyed planet could just be one of the multiverse worlds that didn't make it into this continuity. Yeah. So the, there's two likely takes. One is either multiverse, and the other one being time travel, and the the two could also be the same. So my assumption at the moment going forward is that this is a Luther. He is a Captain Luther. He is a captain of some army, some military hierarchy from the future. Or a captain future. of industry? <laughs> no, I think he is actually a captain. I think this is a Captain Luther space ace. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I, I, I would. My guess would be is that the super high-tech AI-driven machine he is in and the armor that is able to take on Superman and best him in that fight um, is technology from the future. So my interpretation is that this is a Luther from the future where Earth was destroyed and he is coming back to try and change it. So that would be my guess. Okay. But who knows what the reality is? There are some storylines. Everyone should probably read the comic Red Sun, mm-hmm. which was sort of played with earlier in Supergirl. But there is an epilogue for that comic that really must be read to believe, be believed. Which which has some uh, long future discussions, and there it's pretty wild. And <laughs> to me, this feels kind of like that—that that this is uh, a, a descendant of the Luthers who has come back, and the only thing that they can figure out to do to save the future is to take on Superman. But eh, maybe not. We'll see. I liked the nowhere now. <laughs> nowhere now implies. Not now in time or somewhere that had gone. And and that, that line, nowhere now, it felt to me like, ah, I'll bet on time travel for the time being. Yeah, it's a nice little hook to set. As you said, they did do a lot of furniture setup, but I do think the show has a lot of potential. The characters are mostly likable, except that Jonathan was kind of a jerk, but, you know, teenage boys sometimes are. And- <laughs> Him, Jonathan calling Jordan a weirdo, I, I can hold my judgment on that until, and you know, give Jonathan a chance to show that he's also a nice boy in some other ways, hopefully. This, this, this episode needed him to be the, the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if he continues to be that place. They do have the one line where he's talking to Sarah and says, it's more the people who make up a place. And does she actually interpret that as him trying to hit on her? I wasn't sure. But the show needed some way for it to be very clear that Sarah liked Jordan more. (laughs) I think that is what the show implied, was that she had misread him as flirting with her, when really he was was trying to, to, uh, (laughs) trying to be Cyrano de Bergerac for his brother. 
Um, <laughs> yes, he was. And so, so okay, that in itself shows that Jonathan has nice guy potential because he was trying to help his brother, who is awkward. So yeah, so Sarah, um, Sarah Cushing is someone that Jordan had a bit of a crush on before when they stayed at the farm with the uh, at the Kent farm for a summer in the past. And but it turns out that she has a boyfriend, which she does not reveal until after they've had a little heart to heart about them both having mental conditions that they're dealing with. And I don't remember if she's seeing a psychiatrist or taking pills or both, but she said, you know, she she saw Jordan taking a pill and immediately felt more at ease with him because she knew that he was dealing with troubles, too. So I kind of like that dynamic. I'm interested to see where it goes. Of course, all the kids in town right now are traumatized because of the explosion at the party that they were having, but hopefully they'll all deal with it okay. The show had to play it both ways, and they mm -hmm. had to kind of trick us too, yeah. so I don't know entirely how much I, f what I think about it. They, they needed to make it very clear to us that Sarah does, to some degree, like Jordan, mm -hmm. and there is some interest there, um, if only to defend the kiss. Because when the kiss happened, I was going like, whoa, Jordan, <laughs> slow yeah, down. cool your jets. <laughs> and, and it's like, well, okay, he's out of line. But then I think they wanted to then make us not to feel too bad about Jordan because her boyfriend is way out of line. Right. So. He's, he's obviously not a good guy. But, uh, you know, Jordan is socially awkward. So apparently he just misread the signals of emotional int intimacy as being an invitation to physical in intimacy, or at least as far as a kiss goes. So yes, he, he misread that and overstepped, but uh, did he really deserve being punched by, <laughs> by Sarah's boyfriend? No, probably not. But and, and, and really, the show really wanted us to see that Sarah was giving those inklings and that she was flirting with him a bit. So it's, it's hard to say. But it was, it was a weird situation, and it said to me that, boy, I am watching a CW show, and that's okay. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Well, I think those are most of the points that I wanted to hit. I, I do think, you know, there's enough meat there to have the potential for an interesting show, and I'm certainly going to keep watching. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep watching this. I was very worried about the age jump for the kids and whether it would work. And I'm, I'm, I think, pretty happy with how they did it. I really quite liked Jordan playing Raiden beating up Superman in the video game. That was a nice touch, just to make uh, Clark feel a little more uncomfortable. Uh, I, I think they're doing some things right, and they're doing it really well. I don't know how, the, how it's going to play with General Lane knowing who Superman is. I don't know how many Superman canons um, that is the case where Lois's dad knows who Superman is. That seems unusual, mm -hmm. and I don't know what effect that'll have. Um, but it, it implies at least that there's going to hopefully be less conflict with the U.S. military and Superman because uh, there's more people facilitating that. We'll see. I'm definitely going to watch it. Okay. Um, so to our listeners, we're 
not sure yet whether we're going to be covering this as a regular thing. Uh, we will certainly let y'all know for the time being. Uh, you can keep up with our doings. Uh, we're uh, at SG Supercast on Twitter. And, of course, uh, you can talk with us on the Incomparable Members Slack. Hanging out probably on the TV channel. And thanks for listening. And we'll, t we'll be talking with you sometime. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.